that. Here, give this! Aw, sweetheart! Oh, you smell like weed. No, we top flight security of the world, Craig. Shit, not just the city, the world. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to the Podchat Show. We are taking a little bit of a break from our um, our reviewing of all those DC and Star Wars movies because it's the holiday season. And we want to talk to you about some Christmas movies. And we're going to run through each of our top five movies for the holiday season that you guys can get knocked out over the weekend because Christmas is coming up on Monday. Um, I'm joined here with my two favorite hosts, Quinn Kaiser and Roger Brandstetter, making some weird noise in the background. How's the uh, how's the winter solstice treating you guys? It's dark out, man. Yeah, <laughs> That's it, true. <laughs> I was leaving the gym today, and it was like 4.30 in the afternoon, and it was dark, and I was like, what the frick? Yeah, uh, it's... Is it the shortest daylight day of the year, or or is that later you on? You got it. You got it. Hit it right on the head. What up? It's it's your boy at Hello Quinny jumping in here. Um, yeah, shortest day of the year, uh, and it actually snowed today for like the first time. Well, it snowed earlier this year, but the first time in December here out in Denver, Colorado, because it was like sixty six degrees as a high yesterday, and we got a little dusting last night. Nice. It's been snowing all day here. We did the uh, the old Yuletide Wisconsin traditions of buying a bucket of cheese, and uh, now I'm hiding out in an undisclosed location in my parents' basement like all good <laughs> podcasters do, um, ready to, to rock and roll and deck the halls. Nice. Alcohol check. What's everybody sipping on? I got a Lagunitas Hop Stupid and another one on deck for when the first one runs out. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sipping on a little Potosi IPA, uh, brewed in beers, hometown. Um, I, I imagine that would be Potosi, Wisconsin. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I am finishing up actually a Bloody Mary, so this might be a pretty fun podcast. We're on vacation right now, so dude, time zones um, mess me up. Is it the morning then for right now? <laughs> No, no. Um, but I wanted to get a little bit festive, so I went out and got a six-pack of some Sammy Adams White Christmas Ale. Um, it's okay. It's. <laughs> Are you a spicy Bloody Mary guy or a, a tame Bloody Mary guy? Um, I'll take it either way. I'm more into the garnishes for the Bloody Mary anyhow. You know, i got to have some good celery and cheeses. No, I hate celery. Celery is the worst. <laughs> you need something to stir that, that bloody with. That drink. Yeah, you use the stick that you have your meats and cheeses on. It's a man's bloody. You're a meat. <laughs> <laughs> I am a meat. Awesome. Well, let's just dive right into this. Um, like I said before, we each picked out our top five Christmas movies and not necessarily going to be these awesome 93 Rotten Tomato ranking movies, but just our favorite ones that we like to watch during this holiday season. Um, the ones that really remind us of Christmas time. And 
what we enjoy doing when it is just too frickety cold outside. Uh, we're going to start off by each going through our fifth and fourth favorite movie. Then we'll jump into the third and second favorite. And then we'll each talk about our top Christmas movie. So um, who wants to start us off with their fourth or with their fifth movie? We'll just jump around. Uh, sure, sure. It's it's Quinn here. I'll jump in at number five. Uh, coming in with uh, one you can find on HBO streaming right now. Uh, Why Him with Brian Cranston um, and James Franco. Not my traditional Christmas m- movie, but I- I've seen it uh, twice in the last six months and have laughed my ass off and enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I just wanted to throw this one on my list. Um, probably out of recency bias. But I, uh, I just wanted to recommend everybody check it out while it's available to stream. Um, some good funny moments. Um, just a, a shameless plug for my Brian Cranston love. Yeah, this is kind of a, a different take on what's that one Bernie Mac movie where uh, Ashton Kutcher gets taken home. Oh uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like to, it, it's it's a meet the parents type of thing, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, James Franco plays like a philanthropist. I'm messing up words already. Um, a he basically plays a rich software dude who is also a f u c c b o i s. Oh, we lost Quinn again. Damn it. Well, it's All good because right. it appears that that was getting a little out of hand with the uh, the swear words and the innuendos for the kitties. <laughs> I hope he can come back here and talk to us a little bit about why he likes why him. Roger, why don't you go through with your um, four and five while we wait for him to get a better internet connection. Yeah, that Northern SM- Wisconsin Wi-Fi is pretty sketch. Uh, SMH. At my number five, I have The Grinch with Jim Carrey, the live action version, which I think that most people probably know the synopsis for at this point. Um, and I have, an, I have, a, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that it's going to make it onto a higher spot for one of you guys. I'm going to save a little bit of the discussion of it for then. Uh, my number four is a little bit of a, um, a wild card. Uh, a lot of people tend to like, uh, a diehard, and I tend to think that those people are, are kind of trying to be contrarian, where they take like a gory, actiony, fuck uh, you. Action. <laughs> it's not like I don't like Die Hard. I just think that it's uh, if you're picking it, you're trying to make it into a Christmas movie. So um, that's sort of where I stand on that. But for my number four, uh, to do literally the exact same thing that I just talked about. Uh, I like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the fourth one, which, again, I'm sure that most of our listeners probably know the synopsis for, but uh, there's a lot of snow in it. There's a a pretty notable Christmas scene where Harry gets a sweater. uh, (laughs) A dope sweater. Yeah, I honestly wish that. Well, I guess I want Ron's because it has an R for Roger on it. Um, But uh, it... It, it, it's not, I guess it's not really a coming of age tale, really. It just feels more Christmassy than a lot of movies to me. And I think part of that is just because all of the, uh, the main three characters are pretty young. Um, there's a certain, well, it's not even, there's a magic around the film, so to speak. Uh, everything's Ooh. new to Harry. 
just given that he hasn't really experienced it before. And I think that's a really big uh, factor in any Christmas movie that you're going to watch is like, there just sort of has to be that X factor, that Christmas magic. And when it's literally like, you know, magic with a wand and floating Christmas trees and uh, ogres and all, all that jazz um, it, that makes for a pretty solid basis for a Christmas movie. So yeah. Grinch, then Harry Potter for my five and four. Yeah, you could say that there's some double meaning with the Harry Potter stuff, too, because he's not only learning about all this magic and wondrous stuff for the first time, but he's also experiencing essentially a, a childlike Christmas that he missed out on for the first 11 years of his life. And Oh, yeah, those abusive uh, step-parents. Yeah, the best. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to some more bad parenting coming up here in a few movies, I'm pretty sure. Um, welcome back, Quinn, though. Uh, Quinn is jumping back in, and he looks like he's in a different part of his house, hopefully closer to the Wi-Fi router. Um, <laughs> I am sitting on top of the router right now. Um, you the cold, the cold beaming, Starbucks? Beaming Wi-Fi right <laughs> into my asshole. <laughs> Do you want to... Um, so Roger just went with his five and four uh, Grinch didn't really talk about it because it's going to pop up a little bit later on these lists. And then we just went over Sorcerer's Stone a little bit. Um, oh, what's your best moment for Sorcerer's Stone, Roger? You know, it's a really kind of tough. It's a really good movie. Um, and I actually noticed earlier, uh, I was just doing some random Wikipedia ing. And um, I noted that for a lot of my favorite movies that um, John Williams is the composer, which is true of, I think, me many, if not all of the Harry Potter movies, uh, Home Alone, and obviously we've been talking about Star Wars a bunch recently. Um, so all the music kind of just makes every scene feel pretty magical. Um, I think probably the most touching scene is when he's looking at that the mirror of Erizit or whatever desire backwards uh and he sees his parents and Dumbledore is like hey what up this is uh what you really want what do you see and he knows what he sees but it, it it's um i don't know i think it speaks to harry as a character it kind of informs the entire series um and again it's a pretty heartfelt performance by young daniel radcliffe it's not a happy happy christmas harry Happy Christmas, Ron. Happy Christmas, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, I feel you with the John Williams stuff because that's pretty much like me with Hans Zimmer. Not going to lie. We've had some good discussions about good old Hans. Um, but, yeah. Um, Quinn, you want to bring us back to your number five and number four? Uh, bring us back to why him and uh, tell us about maybe the quick synopsis or the best moment? Yeah, sure. Quick synopsis. Um, I think hopefully you caught some of it. The girlfriend bringing in the parents to meet her boyfriends in the film. Uh, boyfriend played by James Franco is not the guy you want meeting your parents, um, which leads to hilarity. Um, and uh, I mean, there's some awesome cameos like Elon Musk jumping in um, to say what up. And um, just lots of good laughing moments. Uh, the plot has a lot of holes in it, but, you know, it's Christmas movies. And uh, this one I, I simply added onto my list. Um, out of my criteria, it solidly fulfills the movie, movie enjoyment experience for me. Um, 
also a nice cameo from the rock and roll band Kiss, um, which I'm sure costed not as much money as you would expect. But <laughs> uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, moving up to my number four. Um, this one builds into my criteria a little bit more, which I wanted to just clarify to folks because I think with Christmas movie lists in general, they're going to be all over the place for people. Um, so most importantly to me uh, was that feeling of magic and holiday spirit, which why him does not fulfill as much. Um, the tradition or memory behind that movie, personal reasons. And then um, the last category I, I weighted this on was movie enjoyment, which is why why him made the list. Um, so much enjoyment. Uh, so number four uh, is the Christmas story. It's a, a coming of age tale of a young boy becoming a man with his Red Rider BB gun. Um, this one holds a special place in my heart from Christmas days of playing it over and over on TBS to the point that um, all of the wonderful scenes of you'll shoot your eye out and it must be uh, fragile, it must be French uh, with the, the leg lamp. Um, and of course, the best scene being when they're changing the tire on the car and he says, the mother of all swear words, um, instead of oh fudge. And it just holds a special place in my heart from watching it over and over because my grandparents had the oldest TV in the world. It sat in a wooden box on the floor like it was a piece of furniture. Um, and that's the channel we got. So we watched A Christmas Story over and over. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'll do Sweet it. Sweet sentiment at the end. <laughs> Roger, do you want to comment on the movie side? Because I'm not a I'm not a good person to ask about the Christmas story. Yeah, I've uh, actually not had as much experience with the Christmas story as most people. Um, Other than kind of looking like the little boy from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Look dude, like... they're, they're glasses, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's, I did like the movie. It's better than, uh, fuck you guys. It's better than a lot of Christmas movies. Uh, <laughs> lots of corporate lines. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think the, the leg lamp is the, like the weirdest thing in that movie for me. I don't Oh, Quinn's gone again. <laughs> That's what you guys get for making fun of me and my four eyes. Uh, the leg lamp is just a weird thing. I don't know. It's, uh, I don't feel like anyone would seriously order that, but again, it's supposed to be a fictionalized, uh, kid coming of age tale. Uh, but there are a lot of really good moments in it that are memorable from like the one or two times that I've watched it. Uh, the slide scene, the, uh, kid licking the pole and getting his tongue stuck. You'll shoot your eye out with Santa and then him getting like kicked down the slide. Um, and it's, and it's a cute kid. So you obviously remember all of these scenes. Um, so it's very understandable that it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. I don't necessarily, I think they could have gone with a better title to be honest, but other than that, it's, it's, it's like, it's a very serviceable Christmas movie. It's not like I'm going to change the channel if that's on, unless Harry yeah. Potter's on. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to take away from the story in general, especially like, the light lamp like people for whatever reason still kind of want to have that as a bit of novelty and you know just the the tongue sticking to the pole like myth like that 
It's not a myth, dude. That's the real thing. That happened in my elementary school. Some dumbass kid <laughs> licked a pole and then he missed uh math Come on, Zach. Even after 10. It wasn't Zach. Zach was there. <laughs> was it Zach? <laughs> nah, a kid missed uh, whatever happened after 10, 15 recess at Yahara. That's a real oh, ass story. Damn. Damn. Sounds painful. Looks painful. I think we all had the kid in our elementary schools who was like really into like just being an ass and like getting into trouble. And it was that kid and he totally deserved it. And I think he is addicted to meth now. Anyway. Oh, someone's <laughs> getting coal in their stocking. Young um, Jordan, do you got a, a, a five and a four for us? I do have a five and a four. And my five is a little bit surprising probably to some listeners that I ranked it so low, but also that I'm the only one that had this one on their list of top fives. Uh, so my top or my number five is home alone. Um, so that one, just a quick synopsis is about some negligent parents that abandon their adolescent <laughs> child while they go on vacation with the entire extended family. Uh, meanwhile, two psychopathic burglars terrorize this abandoned child while trying to rob their big-ass suburban home. Um, and the, the kid strikes back with some Goonie-style uh, booby traps. Um, I like watching this movie because there's, there's a nostalgia point for me, too. This was kind of the one that me and my family watched um, around the holiday season super quotable um i mean they have movie quotes within home alone that you only know from home alone like the filthy animal line and that you're a disease kevin (laughs) (laughs) or even the classic macaulay culkin hands on the face screaming from aftershave so um i also love watching the parents squirm when they realize that they should have protective child or child protective services called on them because they abandoned one of their children um, after making him sleep in the attic too. Um, well, one of my favorite parts is when a burglar literally survives when a brick comes torpedoing like from over two stories high and hits him in the face and he survives and like he should be in the concussion protocol at least like he needs to take a few <laughs> plays off, but he's, He's good after that. Um, yeah, there's a, a YouTube video that goes through uh, the first two Home Alone movies, and um, I think it's a, some sort of medical professional or EMS guy, and he uh, says what the injury would be for each of the hits that the, the wet bandits and then the sticky bandits as they change their name between the two movies, uh, what injuries they take as a result of Kevin's actions. And I think they <laughs> die like... Together, a cumulative like 26 times, or should die, or a cumulative 26 times between concussions, electrocution, hair being on fire, asphyxiation, blood loss, etc. <laughs> yeah, it's very cartoon-like. Um, my favorite moment, though, or my best moment in the film is, I, you kind of have to have the, the mindset of growing up watching this. It uh, was when Kevin, the kid, fully embraces that he's home alone and he's like eating ice cream and watching movies he shouldn't be watching and digging through all of his siblings' shit. Like, that's something that you would totally do at that age if you're just home alone. So that's something I always come back to. 
And yeah, I was, I was watching that earlier as a uh, a little background noise. And uh, Home Alone 1 is just <laughs> extremely watchable. That's, uh, I don't know how you leave a kid at home alone when you're going to Paris. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what you're going to do? It's the 90s. <laughs> it's actually like a subtle, subtle thing that they don't spend a, put a lot of emphasis on. But when they're cleaning up the spilled soda or whatever um yeah. and we lost quinn again but they're cleaning up the spilled soda and you they have a shot where they're throwing the napkins or paper towels or whatever in the garbage and kevin's passport oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's right the garbage it's not something you really notice unless you like sit there and pause on that frame and are like oh shit like they threw away his passport and or plane ticket yeah. or whatever it is, but they didn't really make a point of like really pointing it out. I mean, there was a line where they said, Oh, the passports. And then, I mean, they had the camera shot of the garbage can. So I, I don't know. I haven't seen home alone one as much as I have two. Um, but I did notice that when I was watching it and was like, Oh yeah, this is how they must have forgotten. Um, I also noted that 122.50 for 10 pizzas seems like a really good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's about 12 bucks a pizza. Yeah, I mean, I would assume you'd get a bulk discount, but I mean, that's that's pretty good. And they're big pizzas, and the guy was waiting there a while. I don't know. It's a good deal. Oh, yeah, that asshole pizza delivery driver that keeps on knocking shit over, like just take it easy when you're pulling into the driveway um my number four movie i'm not sure if you guys have ever seen this one it's called this christmas i believe it came out in like 2007 um it might be one of those that you see on like bet or uh just a, a random hallmark channel like that maybe um it, it's a it's with an ensemble cast um, it centers around the Whitfield family as they regroup for their first Christmas in roughly four years. So there's just a lot of family drama, that sort of thing. Um, I like watching it because uh, it's it's about that family that tries to squash all this internal drama that they have. And, you know, you might obviously have that sort of thing when you are home with your family for the holidays and, I mean, Maybe not all of you agree on everything. Um, the cast is just a fantastic collection of black actors as well. Um, so you got like Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba, Laz Alonzo, Columbus Short, Lauren London, Akai Pfeiffer, Regina King. I mean, the, the list just keeps on going deeper and deeper. And uh, Chris Brown. Chris Brown. I forgot to mention Chris Brown. <laughs> I'm going to mention him for my best moment, though. Um, <laughs> at the end of the movie, he essentially just brings the family together at church with a musical number. So that's it's super cheesy. It's corny at times, but it's also funny and it has a lot of heart. So this Christmas, number four on my list. I've never seen it, but I just wanted to um, say that any movie with Chris Brown, I will uh, give it, I'll, I'll give it a chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons to not like Chris Brown, 
but his rendition of the song this Christmas is one of my favorite Christmas songs as well. So that's why I got to give it up there. Um, let's move along to the three and the two slot. This three is going to be pretty important. Um, we'll stop and talk about Quinn's number three movie right now if you want to lay it out for us. Yeah, this is where I've got the Grinch, uh, Jim Carrey, um, hopping in here. Uh, I, I would have had the Christmas story higher, but I honestly got myself burned out of it from watching it so many times. Um, but the Grinch is a classic. It's got that perfect amount of magic uh, that I'm looking forward to throw on in the background when I'm setting up the tree or um, perusing things on my iPad, um, pretending that I'm buying gifts for people. Um but it's got uh, some some wonderful storytelling. It's probably out of all the movies on my list, the actually like only one that actually has a real story that makes some semblance of a, a good movie. Um, Got to be a fan of just a, a Christmas classic making it onto the list for me. Yeah, I, I mean, it's my number five. I have it on there pretty much because it is, um, I mean, so thoroughly a Christmas movie. And, um, I mean, they went out of their way to make a cartoon into a live-action movie, and all the characters have the prosthetics on. Jim Carrey is just full Jim Carrey. Uh, there's some good songs surprisingly which i i didn't necessarily see coming and um it's very susian and it feels like you're watching a movie that's taking place in a in a children's book it's insane that they could do that with a live action movie and make it feel like you are looking at the page of a book yeah very susian um Best moment of that movie for you guys? Uh, for me, honestly, it's the intro going into like everybody doing their holiday shopping. Like immediately, just puts me into that mood. Um, it's generally like when I'm gonna start watching Christmas movies. That's the one that I'm like, throw that one on. Let's get it going. Sometimes throw it on at Thanksgiving even. Um, but the intro of just everybody running all about, got a lot of good Christmas music happening, or just like. It sounds, looks, feels like, all right, the Christmas season is here. Let's do this. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have a, a favorite clip from this one. Um, the entire scene where they kind of do the flashback uh, of the Grinch as Baby Grinch is just pretty <laughs> funny. Generally, they did a good job making him both hideous and cute at the same time. Um. Yeah, there's very little to dislike about this movie, uh, which is why I think it remains a classic long after Jim Carrey has passed his prime, which is impressive. I like his dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, dog is the uh, MVD of the movie, most valuable dog. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I also like the part where he's... Um... MVP, most valuable pupper. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say, too, I actually had a – more recently I've been seeing a meme kind of floating around where 
basically the premise of it is the Grinch never disliked Christmas. He hated people, and that's totally reasonable for him to (laughs) (laughs) to react that way. Yeah, they did make a point in the movie of saying he didn't like Christmas, but he also had some some problems coping with just being people. And no, it's not like they returned the favor. Like they never took him in as a community. They just ousted him immediately. He was always an outcast. It's like, of course, he's going to turn out this way. You guys are jerks <laughs> to him. Yeah, the Whovians, Whoville, Whoville, all, all Who's down in Whoville. All the Who's super prejudiced. Yeah, they don't like green people. Biggest. Speaking of green people, we lost Quinny again. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking Whoville, then we would have lost Kermit. We would have lost Yoda. A lot of good greenies out there. Is greenies a, racist? A lot of good green green folk. Maybe is that what they're calling them nowadays? We're saying Merry Christmas again, so I think greenies is okay. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um. But yeah, that was Quinn's number three. I wish he would come back so he could talk to us about his number two. Do you want to jump in for your number three while we get him back on and hopefully with some Starbucks <laughs> Wi-Fi or something? Yeah, I don't know what's going on in Colby. It's pretty pretty upsetting. I got <laughs> oh, it. there he is. <laughs> oh, we got him back. Okay, Quinny, what's your number three? The, the, the uh, it was the, the Grinch um, was my number three. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Um, number two. Oh, wait. My number two? Or Pause. do you want to go to your three? We should go to... Rogers three because you guys have the same number two. Oh, true. <laughs> nice. Uh, my, my number three, uh, because I'm a child at heart, is Mickey's Christmas Carol, which Can't is say I've never seen it. It's a uh, it's a Christmas Carol. So Ebenezer Scrooge, yeah. Bob Cratchit, Jacob Marley's Ghost, Tiny Tim, all that. Except it's all um, Disney characters. So it's the exact same story as normal. Uh, but it's all cartoons and they're all very familiar characters. Uh, I was shown this movie at quite a young age. Um, and I remember being mildly, um, mildly horrified when Goofy showed up as Jacob Marley's ghost. Um, and I also thought it weird. Um, I, I know in the original, uh, book and in most adaptations scrooge gives away a bunch of uh christmas goose at the end but in this adaptation it'd be scrooge mcduck giving away a bunch of goose which seems kind of i don't know it doesn't it rubs me a little bit weird <laughs> that a duck would be giving out a bunch of poultry to eat but uh overall i just really like this it's it's not a long watch either which i really like it's 26 minutes so you can get on with the rest of your night maybe open some gifts hopefully get some good stuff but uh it's it's a Disney movie. Mickey Mouse is in it. Uh, Scrooge McDuck is, is, I mean, he plays his namesake, Ebenezer Scrooge. So, I mean, there's not a, like, not a lot to dislike about this um, and a lot to latch onto, especially for little kids like me. And apparently it sticks with you well into your 20s. Is your uh, Scrooge McDuck handing out poultry your best moment of the movie? Uh, yes. <laughs> No, Fair. I mean, the, uh, Goofy as Jacob Marley's ghost has stuck with me as an image burned into my brain. So I <laughs> guess I got to go with that. Happy uh, holidays. <laughs> I, I like this, the story and like plot idea behind the, 
this movie. Uh, but my favorite adaptation would be uh, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past with Matthew McConaughey. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Um, let's go into your guys' joint number two here. As Blaze up. It's our joint on. number two. <laughs> Talk about yeah. it. Once. Do you want to say it on three? Um, sure. No. One, two, three. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> it's Elf. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. <laughs> one of the most quotable movies, let alone Christmas movies of all time. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's got the Christmas magic yet, but still has like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the memes plenty of times from your local white girl about uh, him walking through the park and was like, "So good news, saw a dog today." Um, <laughs> there's just so many wonderful moments in this film. Um, my my favorite, like, laugh out loud. I know it's coming every time, but I always lose it uh, is when he answers his dad's phone in the office and says, hello, buddy, the elf, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> every time gets me. That's uh, I laugh just... at so many parts of this movie still after dozens of watches, like uh, him going over the uh, the elves food pyramid is always <laughs> funny to me. Uh, is there sugar he... and syrup? Leaving the North Pole. Uh, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> it is classic Will Ferrell. And I think a lot of reason why it's so universally loved is because it's just good humor for everyone. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. I've never been, like, entirely like wrapped up in elf like i said in the group chat i think elf is for that same person that still watches hocus pocus every halloween but i think the venn diagram overlaps a lot there (laughs) i'll enjoy elf though i'll I'll throw it on to get into the holiday spirit why not i mean beat some of the alternatives i I took a break from it for a couple years um and have been upset at myself recently that i hadn't watched it last year um, because this year I thoroughly enjoyed it. And there are just so many scenes that I almost just want to watch like five more minutes of Buddy the Elf in the mailroom getting drunk um, and Santa! just seeing what else. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> like there's just so many times I'm just like, that would be so much fun to be, be hanging out with Buddy the Elf. Um, and even the like actual conflict in the film when they're trying to get Santa's sled going again. Um, I get I get into that point and uh, definitely feel the buildup and celebration when it's a um, yeah it's a very emotional moment when the sleigh takes off once uh, once Buddy's dad starts singing the Christmas carols at the end with Zoe de Chanel and uh, she does the sad uh, girl. Just a wonderful job. <laughs> so we were at a ugly Christmas sweater party at a bar the other weekend and. It's about two Jack and Cokes deep. Um, I was a little sick, though, so I wasn't quite feeling myself. But, man, there was this guy completely dressed up in a Santa Claus costume. But he had his, <laughs> he had his own beard, so he was just this dude with this white-ass beard who probably gets mistaken for Santa in the middle of July. And I just want to yell across the bar, Santa! 
You probably should have. <laughs> I, I probably should have. People would have gotten the reference, though, right? That's all you got to do is yell one thing, and you instantly know Alf, and that's what makes this one classic. Yeah, it's got yeah. the perfect level of everything for me. That uh, I almost put it up at number one, but uh, I think if I was younger when it came out, uh, it would probably be my number one. Um, I might have been just a tad too old for the audience Will Ferrell was going to at the time, but uh, happy to put it at number two. Meanwhile, I'm two years older. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's, still number two for you. Come on. Yeah, solidly. I think New York has a really, really, really good um, Christmas setting for any movie, any film format. So, like, I was thinking of putting other stuff on this list, like the 30 Rock Christmas episodes. Like, it would have been a really left field kind of cheating pick, but like, <laughs> I think there is something special about New York at Christmas that just kind of touches everyone and uh, Elf being in New York definitely helps it. Yeah. My number two movie on my list has a lot to do with just the atmosphere of New York and um, it it just has a certain novelty to it. Um, But let's, let's double back because my number three and number two are completely different from your guys's. Not even in the same vein or context. My number three movie uh, takes place in Los Angeles. It is. It's me hissing. Uh, uh, (laughs) Hey, the hisses. Okay. Um, My number three movie is Friday After Next. Um, So for those of you who are not aware of this movie, it is the third in the trilogy that started off with the classic Friday um, so Craig, who's played by Ice Cube and his cousin Day Day, who's played by Mike Epps, they get jobs as security guards. Uh, they get robbed by some hood Santa and, um, they just decide to throw a Christmas party for, uh, just to forget about their circumstance, I guess, or I don't know. I think they may have made a little bit of money back from that one. Um, I like watching this movie because it kind of takes you back to the roots of Friday, which was literally just about two guys hanging out on a porch. Um, and it, it's following these two guys in the days of hood life because you got a lot of uh, Christmas movies about, you know, some middle class families. And even though they they might have terrible parenting skills, I'm talking to you, McAllister's, uh, th- there's still Christmas in the hood. So you gotta you gotta throw it up there. Um, yeah, I wrote down that you gotta gotta know that uh, not all Christmases are about rich white folks and big ass houses. Um, best moment of that movie is any scene with Damon, who is played by Terry Crews. Um, looking back at it, some of those scenes might be a little bit homophobic because he spent time in the pen and apparently was quote-unquote friendly with the other inmates um yikes (laughs) i mean it's classic when they first run into damon outside of their apartment complex and the classic craig and day day just the two neighbors i want to see it great christmas movie it's a classic have you guys seen it i have not i also have not I shouldn't just shake my head. I'm on a podcast and no one can see me, but I'm sorry. I have not seen it. 
Quinn, we're like roommates it. for three years. How have we not watched this movie? <laughs> uh, you know, it's amazing. I also have not seen um, like more than two Fast and Furious movies, so I don't know. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in my room alone with the door closed. Uh, you Ew, know, first of all. Just chilling. And, and secondly, <laughs> which two Fast and Furious movies? Um, the first and second. Well, <laughs> those are pretty good movies, though, in and of their own right. You're missing oh, out yeah. on when they go into a full heist movie, though. That's, I have no idea what happens next. Like, the world could completely change, and I have they no drive idea. cars real fast. Uh, <laughs> well, Friday After Next was more of a, a Luther and I type of thing. I think we probably watched that even when it wasn't Christmas. Uh, shout out to Luther, though. His birthday's tomorrow. I think you need to be more inclusive of your white friends, Jordan. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. No, that's that's probably my bad. You know, I uh, was probably off in my room playing some video games and watching Elf. Watching Elf <laughs> and, and middle class white family Christmases. <laughs> Oops. Okay. Um, let's go to number two on my list. Um, and then we can... I'll do a little bit of a round robin with our number one pick. Uh, the night before. So this one I feel like is a little bit in the vein of Quinn's number five of why him. Uh, Cause it's a little bit more modern. Um, it's got that freaks and geeks element to it because this one stars Seth Rogen. Um, a little bit of a cameo by James Franco in there too. So um, <laughs> I just, don't know. It was a pretty big cameo. I thought. Ha, good pun. <laughs> it's his um, penis. <laughs> oh, it is his penis. Um, so, yeah, Seth Rogen, Anthony Mackie, their characters, they always spend the night before Christmas with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character because JGL's parents died. I can't remember if it was, like, on Christmas or before Christmas. They just didn't want him to spend Christmas alone, basically. Um, but in this year, they get tickets to the super exclusive Christmas party in New York City. Hijinks and hilarity ensues. Um, it, it does have, obviously, more of an adult context to it because they're drinking alcohol and doing some pretty hard drugs. Or Seth Rogen is at least curse words, so... I like having, you know, that as an option of a Christmas movie. It doesn't have to be all um, Christmas carols and gumdrops. Um, and it, it is a movie about what can happen when you get older and start, um, you know, getting more defined in your careers, going after in the years after college and starting families, that sort of thing. And, um helps you realize that yeah things do start to change once you get older especially around the holiday time you notice it pretty significantly uh, there's a great cast to go alongside that big three um, including like lizzie kaplan mindy kaling um, ilana glazer uh, james franco as i said before and uh, michael shannon plays a weed dealer which is just awesome and it is possibly one of the best parts of the movie um my, is that a, is a hallmark of Seth Rogen movies at this point, that there's just always someone who's going to be playing a weed dealer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if, yeah. If it's not him, like, specifically, then it's somebody somebody else probably more famous than him. But 
Yeah. It's good. <laughs> have you seen this movie, Roger? I haven't. Uh, is it on a streaming service at all? Because this it's, does. it seems directly up my alley. So I, I don't think there's a reason for me not to have seen this other than it just flying under my radar. It, it might still be on HBO. Oh. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, I think that... HBO, um, I bought the seen it on PlayStation View recently. Uh, it's out there. It's it's become more available. Right, I bought in the last year, I think, or at least that's when I started seeing it and watched it. Um, I bought. The did you guys talk about Miley Cyrus campaign when I, I logged out for a second? No, what? we were talking. We were talking uh, about some of the other cast members, um, oh, and then so we started I, talking about Michael Shannon as the weed dealer. Oh, all right. Well, I would just wanted to make note that Miley Cyrus is a ten out of ten cameo in this film. Um, she delivers one of the best lines saying that to call her Hannah Montana, um, <laughs> made me laugh quite a bit in the moment. It was just, it was well played. I don't know if she ad libbed that part or not, but it was, it was fantastic. And, um, I wanted to give her some props cause I don't think she gets enough love. Yeah. Um, Roger, to answer your question before though, I, uh, recently just decided to purchase the digital copy on amazon prime it was like six bucks so interesting he's uh, out of renting it but it is perfectly up your alley because the best moment for me in this movie is when they start their quote night before and um they start playing runaway by kanye west on the <laughs> giant piano like the piano oh my God. Like from, it is awesome and how have i seen this yeah. You can put that song in anything and it'll get me hyped up. Oh that, my God. That sequence ends with them also doing karaoke to Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC. So <laughs> this movie is almost perfect. It, it really is that good. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this is very high on my must watch list now. This is jumping uh, several movies, including Citizen Kane. So <laughs> it's, it's good. It's, it's definitely a holiday one. And like I was saying before, this one has a lot to do with the aesthetic of Christmas in New York. Um, they do a lot of like traditionally New York type of things. Like they go and get uh, like Chinese food and um, obviously the, the piano play mat from big and, Oh, we just lost Roger. Cause he's going to go watch the night before. That's okay. <laughs> Later guys. <laughs> um, yeah okay we have all gone two through five um who wants to be the first one to reveal their top christmas movie to watch this holiday season i mean should we just go in the order we've been going in <laughs> sure uh, that, that seems that logical does that mean i'm up yeah let's do it before right. we lose you again to bad here we wifi. go the year was 1994 i did not watch the movie then like all good middle-class white children, before we started cord cutting, we had the Disney Channel, um, and the Disney Channel brought us uh, every Christmas season the Santa Claus with an E. Uh, Tim, the Toolman Taylor, uh, made a little cameo in an elf workshop halfway through, uh, but Tim Allen is the main star of this film, uh, and it has the perfect amount of magic story that I'm looking for, the nice tradition and memory uh, of watching this film many times. And, and I even gave it some credit because number two in the trilogy somehow had a trilogy. Um, number two was, was still, um, can I say critically acclaimed or can I just say loved by 
diehard fans of of this series. <laughs> it uh, might maybe be not critically acclaimed, <laughs> but uh, num- the number two holds up. Don't watch the third one. Save yourself. Just the first. The escape two. clause. Um, but uh, it's basically the plot of um, if you kill Santa Claus, you become Santa Claus. Or that's actually like true. That. That's a real thing. <laughs> so um, the movie starts out with murder. <laughs> no, no. The movie starts out with a divorced father. Um, oh, it gets better then. <laughs> picking oh, I, on. I his, see it's lighthearted. <laughs> picking on his scorned lover's um, new new love. And uh, then Santa Claus falls off his roof. He puts on his suit because that's what his card says. And he forgets to read the Santa Claus of the contract of putting on the suit, making him Santa Claus, uh, and making his son believe in Santa again. Uh, and fun fact, the little kid in the movie, um, throughout the movie, believed in Santa Claus. Um, I'm sure that didn't like mess him up in any way, um, making a, a movie about Santa Claus while still believing in Santa Claus. Oh, um, that's, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just a good reminder that... Uh, Christmas is a state of mind, um, whether you believe in Santa Claus or not. Um, one of the best moments in it, um, so the, the antagonist of the film, the, the other guy that Tim Allen's ex-wife is now with, is a psychiatrist who's just a, a bone, a, a stick in the mud, um, says that he doesn't believe in things he hasn't seen. And the little kid burns him with, well, have you ever seen a million dollars? And he says, <laughs> well, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess you can't believe in that shit then. Of course um, not. You're not my real dad. <laughs> so uh, some good lines, some good touching moments, um, some action. You know, Santa Claus gets uh, the SWAT team after him. Oh, yeah, that part he... was dope as a kid. <laughs> kidnaps his his son they believe but no it's just santa claus hanging out with his kid um it it just gets me just in the christmas spirit some good memories um tim allen delivers classic dad joke after dad joke throughout uh and even slips in a joke about a um a sex phone line that uh apparently (laughs) um led to a lawsuit (laughs) Um, because it was a real, it was a real, uh, um, sex line and some kid racked up a $400 bill calling it. Um, (laughs) so it's just got like Uh, so many layers to it that, uh, finished. Merry Christmas. Uh, I love, like, there's little <laughs> things that uh, after doing some research on it, I, I can't wait to watch it again. Apparently, so Tim Allen is now fat, becoming Santa Claus, and not sure why he's gained so much weight, like 45 pounds in two days. Um, but he's at lunch with coworkers, orders a salad, and then it comes back around to him in the table, and he orders, like, six different desserts. And apparently, <laughs> through the course of the meal, he eats all of the desserts and never touches the salad. Um just classic Santa Claus fashion. And uh, the one internet um, deep dive to do is, uh, is checking out Reddit and the discussions on how come the elves were not sad that Santa Claus died. Um, there's a couple different theories on whether um, they hated their old boss and set him up to die and it's a big conspiracy uh, or if they just like live forever and the concept of death is just like, Oh yeah, that happens to the Santa Claus all the time. 
um, carry on. That would be my uh, yeah, theory. It's uh, definitely worth checking out. It ages well. Uh, still enjoyable today. You know, those 1992 Ford Tauruses they drive around at the beginning are pretty nostalgic. Um, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy this film and the second one. So can't wait to hear your guys' number ones because they won't live up to it. You know, I like the Santa Claus a lot. I had it on, if this was a top 10 list, it would definitely be within the top 10 for sure. Um, definitely one of those, probably along the same lines of Home Alone that we just, me and my siblings used to watch growing up. Plenty of good quotable lines. I love the part when he's listing off all the different names of um, <laughs> Santa Claus. Uh, there's a weenie whistle. <laughs> that part always made me laugh. Ah, Santa Claus is just great. I also love the idea of um, Tim Allen playing a uh, liberal Santa Claus that just gives things away for free. <laughs> uh, I like that. Oh. That sticks out to me. Uh, We're saying Merry really, Christmas again. There's some really good one-liners uh, throughout the film, like uh, when he's talking to an elf, um, and she says she's like 300 years old, and he's like, oh, you look pretty good for your age. And she says, like, basically, I'm in a relationship with a guy over in wrappings. Like, okay. um, in, in hindsight, that seems kind of creepy to me now because <laughs> kind of feels like he's hitting on her. There's apparently some some awesome Easter eggs also, though, throughout the film of, like, Christmas when, eggs. When yeah, sorry. There's some good, some good Kwanzaa eggs throughout the film, of like elves in scenes, like when it's career day. Um, there's an elf in the classroom, and also when Santa Claus is sitting in the park and kids are coming up and sitting on his lap. Um, there's an elf like hanging out in the background watching Santa Claus. Um, so that's something to look for. Uh, and then Tim Allen also. Uh, Apparently, as Buzz Lightyear drops a line in, in there, as Buzz Lightyear that he dropped as, as Santa Claus. Um, but, you know, Tim Allen's just a... He was a god before cocaine took over, um, <laughs> and, and we need to remember that. Uh, 1994 was a big year for him. Uh, you can find <laughs> out about that on Reddit as well. He uh, had the number one TV show on, uh, on cable, uh, the number one box office film. And a number one New York Times bestseller. Um, good job by you, Tim. We also can't forget that he knew the phone number to an actual sex line. Uh, <laughs> one would spanked me. Head, one would assume. He just <laughs> had that shit memorized. Uh, it, it's a perfect you know. little uh, a one-liner, too. Because um, something about having to call um, his ex-wife's mom. And he says, I've already got her number. 1-800-SPANK-ME. Um, <laughs> Okay, and I guess that could have been just something that he came up with off the cuff, but that, that's a little too accurate, maybe, with the number of uh, letters in that. Perfect, perfect seven letters. Tim Allen, he's just, you know, he's a family man. <laughs> of course. Um, Roger, do you want to hit us with that number one? Yeah, so when you think of Christmas movies, uh, as I've said, New York is a very good setting. Um, as I have not said, anything sort of um, family reunion-y related. So um, when, like, Buddy was trying to find his dad or Harry Potter being split from his parents or Grinch not having parents, um, I, I think that's a really big factor. And so obviously my number one is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, the greatest Christmas movie of all time. And uh, 
the reason I like this one more than one is that I think they kind of perfected the formula and New York is a setting for this one. So while in number one, Kevin is up to his hijinks in his own house, um, I think that there's a lot more, I don't know, it, it's more fun in New York. Um, there's a scene where he's like just going around looking at all the sights of New York in a taxi cab, um, just like alone and just doing his own thing. And it's, it's a really good ad for New York tourism, if nothing else. And at the end of the scene, he's on top of the Twin Towers. And I seriously will like get a little misty every time because it is just very, very poignant scene. Um, it, it, it's inconceivable to me that the parents would have done this a couple of years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Again, they're, they're not the worst. They're Ugh. not great parents, and the odds of that power outage happening two years in a row is outrageous. Um, and the odds of the wet bandits getting out of jail, uh, or I guess breaking out—I don't know—and ending up in New York City is incredibly low. Um, I think the pigeon lady in this film is a lot better than the creepy church neighbor dude in the first film. Um, or at least I remember it more. Um, I don't know if it's more memorable for most people, but I think any old crazy lady in a park that is covered in pigeons is going to be memorable for most people. And um, obviously the best part of this film, Donald Trump is in it, in the lobby of one of the hotels. Oh, God. <laughs> that knocks the movie down a few pegs, I think. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, I'm joking. <laughs> Despite that, this is my favorite movie. Um of the Christmas season it is not Christmas until I see it. And um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this movie. There's just so much to love in it. Um, the, the scene where he goes to the toy store and talks to the owner um, and gets the two turtle doves and kind of just wants to give one away. It's just, I don't know. It feels like he's growing up. But obviously, he's away from his parents. And I think he does uh, express a little bit more regret about being mean towards his family a little earlier. And obviously, being in New York versus in his own house, it's a lot scarier for a young child. He um, has but, every right to be mean towards his family. Fuck yeah, them. <laughs> it's not like they were, like, super nice to him. But, like, he also was not great. Like, it, it's messed up all around. And uh, I like so many things about this movie uh when he calls buzz a trout sniffer is <laughs> fucking unbelievable that's one of the greatest lines in cinema like what do, like i think we all know what it means but it's just like so goofy and uh it's g-rated enough that you can call someone that in a like a bar brawl and they will be like offended that is pretty good uh, what else do I like about this movie? Uh, Tim Curry as the uh, the concierge at the hotel is awesome. He's like just creepy enough. He just has that look. I, I don't. He it's just good, cool that he's in the movie. I guess uh, Macaulay Culkin is in prime form. Uh, the the talk boy was a gift that I received as a child as a result of watching this movie. <laughs> Uh, and I could still recite that scene where he's making the reservation at the Plaza Hotel uh, with the talk boy, and he just slows down his vocals. And one of those refrigerators with a key. 
it's just unreal. And again, he's just eating ice cream and sweet. God, dude, I, I love Is this love the one that he watches Scarface? Um, it's Angels with Dirty Faces, oh. which I think is a, a made-up film. But uh, he definitely uses that to scare away uh, potential attackers in both movies. Uh, and I think my most touching scene um, would be when he meets his mom at the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center, which is just like uh, super Christmassy. He meets his mom, which appears to be the only family member that actually cares <laughs> about him, apparently. But uh, she's just so happy to see him, and he's so happy to see her. And that's a very Christmassy look. And uh, it's the most iconic Christmas tree in America. I think probably more so than even, like, the White House Christmas tree. Um, it's just Oh, absolutely. It, I feel like if you can sneak Rockefeller into your Christmas movie, you, like, just get extra points uh, immediately. Um, I've never been to see that, uh, but that seems like a bucket list kind of tourist destination. Isn't the White House Christmas tree just a bunch of twigs and, like, white branches from a birch tree this year? That's the menorah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Their lawyer is Jewish, right? Uh, probably. Jared is. That's, that's why they have him there. Anyway, so uh, Home Alone 2. <laughs> anyway, is, Home Alone 2. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, it, it is so much better than number one for me just for – so many reasons, but New York being the background for it is a huge reason for it. And I will defy anyone. If you can watch that, uh, that twin tower scene without getting a little bit goosebumpy, more power to you. It's un unreal. Yeah. That same thing happens to me when not on obviously probably the same scale, but whenever you watch like an old episode of friends and they have those cutaways of the city and you always see the two towers as like part of the backdrop in the skyline. Like it was just oh, yeah. so iconic yeah, yeah. for years and years and years. Like, yeah. So the scene that I'm talking about, he's like just going around the city and um, it's a close up of him, like kind of just like looking out over something and then it zooms out and he's on top of one of the twin towers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah hits you right in the gut um, well my number this is probably the worst segue of all time just based on my number one movie but my number one I'm going to be that guy it is Die Hard um, I've noticed lately the past year or so every time Christmas or the last couple of years around Christmas time everybody's kind of turning into that negative Nancy, be like, oh, we get it. You think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Hell yeah, right. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. It's based literally at a Christmas party, okay? I don't care if you guys don't think it's a traditional Christmas movie because it has to do with explosions and Professor Snape is there and there's blood and guns and violence. Christmas is what this is revolved around. And the whole reason we get John McClane in Los Angeles at this time. Um, so basically when the Nakatomi Plaza Christmas party is interrupted by a group of terrorists, only one New York police department police officer, John McClane 
can save the day. He saves the party goers, including his ex-wife. He does this in a wife beater and no shoes. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. Die hard. My number one. Um, we can debate the Christmasiness after you talk this up. <laughs> the, the fast and furious of Christmas movies. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I love watching this movie because it's a great action movie and it's one of those that kind of started this new genre that you kind of see with um, Keanu Reeves and Speed, uh, Wesley Snipes and Passenger 57. Um, it's that story of the the unlikable or not unlikable, unlikely likable hero that overcomes overwhelming odds against just an all-time villain in Hans Gruber. Um, the Christmas theme is kind of admittedly used more as a prop, um, but it does give us classic lines like, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Um, my, the best moment is either the gun taped on the back scene or um, when Bruce Willis's character unwittingly meets uh, Hans Gruber, the leader of the terrorists, because he thinks he's a party goer that managed to slip away. Just a great, great set of dialogue and helps just amplify the character of not only John McClane, but of Hans Gruber into like the all-time echelon of great villains. So let's go ahead and debate the Christmassy of Die Hard because that's that's just what we got to do right now. So Die Hard came out in uh in 87. Right? Uh, I think it's 88. I don't care about the year. It came out in July, so it was not a Christmas movie. God damn it. <laughs> but they did market it with Ode to Joy was played in the like advertisements for it. And you yeah, know what? I, it it was a summer blockbuster, but it, it was in LA anyway, so it wasn't gonna feel like Christmas either way you you slice it here. Yeah, like I don't if if it's a Christmas movie to you, then it is a Christmas movie for you. Like I if if you think it's a Christmas movie, I'm not gonna say it's not. To me, if it's, uh, I think a lot of people retrofitted this to be a Christmas movie based on some of the things like in the movie. Obviously, the Chris, it happening during Christmas is helpful for that. And if it doesn't even mention Christmas, it can't really be a Christmas movie. Um, but I think a lot of people went over the top with this. Like, there's 12 terrorists, like the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the past three Star Wars movies came out around Christmas time in December, but are those Christmas movies? Force Awakens is my number six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I, I'll, I'll give you it as a Christmas movie. Um, it doesn't fit my, my top five based solely off of my criteria of... Um, I don't really have any history or tradition with this movie. Um, like, nothing personal about it to me, but... Um, if it does for you, more power to you. Uh, I can't disagree that it would be a, a bad movie choice by any means. Um, I just nah. don't have the nostalgia factor for it, so I, I can't pull as hard. Um, but I, I see no reason to disregard it as a, a Christmas or non-Christmas movie. Yeah, totally. It's like 
it's a really good movie. It's one of the best action movies of all time and one of Bruce Willis's best movies. So it means Christmas to you is like dope because it's a really fun movie to watch any time of the year. Yeah, me and my mom like watching Die Hard. Um, it's kind of like saying Reindeer Games is a good Christmas movie, which it essentially has nothing to do with Christmas at all either. But, you know, you, you got the holiday party in there. And if it's something that you can make as your own personal tradition to watch it every Christmas, then that's just what I do, you know? Yeah, for sure. That is extremely understandable. What's your best scene? Uh, my oh, my best scene was the oh, duh, you the, mentioned that with the uh, bat gun over the yeah, sorry. the gun tape or the scene where he's talking to Hans Gruber, or anything to do with the the cop from Family Matters. Um, <laughs> those are some pretty good parts, dude. Uh, Hans Gruber's face when he's falling off the building is just like awesome. That's it's pretty classic. Oh, so rewarding. They, I believe Bruce Willis might have been filming something at the same time as Die Hard. Can't recall, though. I haven't really dug into the, the film itself in a while, or at least the backstory to it. Would um, you cast Joe Manganiello instead of Bruce Willis in this film? Either him or Jimmy Smith. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would cast Jimmy Smith in any role in any movie. <laughs> He's got to be. Joe Manganiello should be in one of these diehard sequels because um, unlike the Santa Claus in Home Alone, I think Home Alone stopped at like four when they got to a different, like somebody else other than Macaulay Culkin. Die Hard has gone on for like six movies, and Bruce Willis has been there every single time along the way. Yeah, they had to stop filming with Macaulay Culkin for a few reasons. <laughs> um, you know what? That's was it. Donald Trump was that one? Yeah, he killed Macaulay Culkin. Oh man, his career. <laughs> Too many trips to Neverland. Is, is the is Die Hard your favorite Die Hard movie? Um. It's got to be just because of the significance of the movie itself for what it means for just action movies as a whole. Um, It was one of those that just changed the genre. And other than like the like the tech, the technology within the movie, it still holds up pretty well. It's kind of like speed um, in that if you change obviously one or two things that throw like a cell phone in there that might throw a monkey wrench into these terrorist plans and uh, what they're trying to do at the time. But it's still just, it holds up super well. I think I was listening to the um, uh, stuff you should know podcast that came out today about, they were discussing this exact thing. So I, I feel like I'm cheating a little just <laughs> that I have a little bit more background info right now. Um, but they were discussing how um, there like is a Christmas miracle in that at some point Hans or the guy who's trying to hack the safe in Nakatomi Plaza says it's going to take a miracle to get this open. And at some point Hans Gruber goes, you ask for a miracle, I give you the FBI because they shut off the power and he's able to get into the safe. So there's a Christmas miracle. 
Um, I guess Bruce Willis at some point said there were 13 terrorists and Hans Gruber is like, I'm not a terrorist. So there's 12 of them, which is supposed to represent like apostles and make it more like Christian-y Christmas something or other. Um, you know and, who could have used the Christmas miracle of the FBI? Kevin uh, McAllister. Yeah, a few times. Also, he could have called the cops at any point in either of those movies, and he would have been 100% fine, uh, especially in the first one. In New York, I get that it would be a little harder, and I will give him credit for calling the cops at the end, but uh, he did not at all in that first movie, and all he had to do was call the cops when he knew these guys were casing his house. See, John McClane is an NYPD police officer we should have got an a, a diehard home alone crossover at some point <laughs> what do you think that would have been rated i think that would have been a, a hard r rgp um, i think i think the burglars would have actually died this time <laughs> um well we lost quinn again but we are wrapping up anyhow um those are our our top five Christmas movies. Uh, to reiterate, my top five goes, uh, starting with five, Home Alone, This Christmas, Friday After Next, The Night Before, and Die Hard. So if you guys have a chance, you should check out some of those movies over this holiday weekend. You guys just want to quick restate your top five? Yeah, I got Grinch, Harry Potter, Mickey's Christmas Carol, Elf, Home Alone 2. Uh, and I'm Roger Branstetter. You can follow me at Raj underscore Podge on Twitter.com. And uh, this is at Hello Quinny on Twitter.com, Quinny with a Y. Uh, and you can follow me. I'll try to tweet when I have Wi-Fi. And when I don't, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just be roaming, I guess. Uh, my, my top five from five to one was why him. Um, you can totally wait until after the Christmas season to watch that one. Stream it on HBO. Give it a shot. Um, up to the Christmas story, Grinch, Elf, and coming at number one is the Santa Claus. Nice. I think I'm going to maybe go watch Why Him or Home Alone or one of these movies right now. Um, well, thanks for joining us, PodChat listeners. Be on the lookout for some of our other uh, pieces of content. We're going to be sliding through with Justice League, Return of the Jedi, The Last Jedi coming up fairly soon oh force awakens as well damn we got some work to do boys um hopefully we'll get some stuff done over the christmas break uh everybody enjoy your holiday we're saying merry christmas again happy holidays guys yeah merry merry christmas and uh i, I do have something to plug normally i don't uh, but this, Ooh, time yeah. I, uh, this time i want to plug uh, a c3po rebuttal is coming to your ears soon uh oh, it's on <laughs> Be on the lookout for that. Um, I think that we'll get that in on the Last Jedi podcast. How uh, rude. <laughs> how rude. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Play us out, Ryan. <laughs>